0: Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of the Birth Launch Podcast. I'm your host, Hee Hee, and today we are diving into a topic that does not get nearly enough attention, and that is dads. Today I have on my friends Jessica Legrone and her husband Ben. And Jessica is a certified childbirth educator and teaches alongside her husband Ben. Together they own Balanced Families in Arkansas. They design evidence-based resources with an unbiased balanced viewpoint so couples can make their own informed decisions about their labor and birth. There's already not enough focus on preparing for birth in the American medical system, but dads get the shaft even more because there's even less support for dads. So let's dive into this, but before we do, I want to let you know about something so exciting. You guys have been asking, and it is finally here we have a dad's course that is launched and open to the public just in time for Father's Day this Sunday. Do not miss out because right now we have launch pricing available. After Father's Day on Monday, June 21st, the price will be going up. So do not miss out. You can go to thebirthlounge.com backslash dad days that's d-a-d-d-a-z as in zebra e dad days lounge.com backslash dad days all right let's talk about how we can prepare your partner to be the best support during labor ben and jess welcome to the show thanks Hi. for
1: having us Woo-hoo.
0: Absolutely. I'm super excited about this. Um, as I said in the intro, I, I truly do believe that, you know, it is super unfortunate that male identifying partners have basically no support throughout this whole entire thing. And then we get into this situation and we're like, wait, you should be involved. You should like know what to do. But who has taught them how to do this? Right. Um, and so that is what I really want to dive into tonight. But um, before we we dive too far in, you guys give us your own little intros. Who are you behind the mic tonight?
2: Let's start. Oh,
1: sure. <laughs> we are Ben and Jessica Legrone, um, birth educators. Jessica is certified childbirth educator. Through Kappa and I just tag along for fun and give <laughs> comic <of>,
2: relief. Comic <laughs> relief no. and give lots of
1: info for birth partners.
2: Yeah. And we um we kind of stumbled along this. We actually are both uh educators by trade. So we both have our masters in teaching. And after I had babies, um, have always loved birth, got really into birth when I first had my babies and um kind of started following that passion and just through lots of conversations with my friends and conversations between Ben and I just really kind of saying like, gosh, we really, we really have a passion for bringing in the dads into birth and really empowering them to be a true partner for, for the pregnant ladies out there to be able to really help them. And, and I really just love birth and, you know, our kind of our deal is we, we really like, kind of advocating for just balanced perspectives about birth in general. So, you know, whether you do unmedicated or or not, you know, we that's just kind of our jam. We like, um, we just like encouraging couples to go on that decision making journey to really figure out like what is right for you and right for your family. And yeah, and then Ben is Ben is a huge part, mm-hmm. I feel like, of of who we are and kind of our perspective on birth. So
1: and as far as uh just personal stuff so we have three kids we have three yes. girls lots of fun lots of drama, lots of uh, drama. <laughs> but lots of fun uh their ages our oldest is about to turn seven and then we have a five-year-old and a two-year-old yep yep and two dogs yep so don't know why we have two dogs but
0: <laughs> <laughs> they just joined us along they're, the way they're
1: still around yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: A full house. I love it. Okay. So you guys have three children, but what did you do for your first birth? How did you guys prepare for your first birth when you had never done this before and you didn't yeah. know what to expect?
2: Yeah. So we actually took an online birth class before they were cool. <laughs> this is, I guess this would be almost eight years ago. Wow.
1: Seven years, ago. seven years ago.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right about somewhere in there. Seven and a half. Um, through another organization and it, we were very into unmedicated birth and we still are. I mean we still think unmedicated birth, you know, is obviously one of the better options that you have out there in terms of yeah, all kinds of things of course. But we um so we took this birth class and ended up transferring to a birth center. So I was originally with an OB and we transferred to a birth center. And I ended up just having a really kind of rough first birth experience. It didn't go great. I'm one of those that is kind of an anomaly with birth. All all three of my births have basically taken the same route, which is like incredibly long early labors with lots of prodromal labor for like weeks on end and, and lots of positional issues that are kind of difficult to deal with in the midst of labor and babies that don't like don't like necessarily, <laughs> uh, cooperating, I guess you could say. So Her, my first, my first birth, <laughs> yeah, well, and my first birth ended up being about 36 hours and we ended up having to transfer to the hospital. Um, cause I'd been pushing for like well over four hours and it just was not happening. And that, that birth, I feel like was really, I would say kind of the beginning of our journey to where we are today, because, um, I don't know. We just really had this passion for like, gosh, what happens when you do all the things and you prep and you do everything right. And it still doesn't go well. And then our second, our second, um, our second birth, we went the same path where we're like, okay, well surely it's going to be better (laughs) this time. You know, like number two, uh, surely, you know, my body's going to know what to do a little bit better this time or whatever. And we get to the same birth center same deal i went into spontaneous labor and they went ahead and checked me my checked my cervix and she was breech we had no idea surprise breach and in in our state at least there are really no doctors that do vaginal breach deliveries unfortunately and i was in the middle i mean i was well into active labor kind of kind of going down the mountain of transition and i mean there was just no time for us to even have another option except for a c-section it was just kind of like okay have to get a c-section so anyway all of that to say I've had some kind of wild birth experiences but overall um I feel like after that birth we did a really good job of kind of knowing when it was time to let go and that was very much like a process that was between Ben and I like um, he was very involved in every aspect of my birth, and really, honestly, like a true partner. And so it, it was just really good when we when we were driving over to the hospital for my second birth. You know, knowing that I was probably going to get a C-section, we just looked at each other, and it was like, okay, like we're going to just absolutely let go, and focus on the positives and really try to have the most joyful experience that we can. And it really was. It was such a joyful birth. The recovery was really hard. Um I won't at all sugarcoat that, but the actual experience of having a C-section was not necessarily as scary as I had thought it was going to be. So um yeah. And then my third, my third uh baby was an unmedicated VBAX that was exciting. Everything actually went pretty well. I had a really long labor still it was like, you know, still like I don't know, 26 hours, I think, maybe total. Um, But I ended up having a really bad postpartum hemorrhage like a couple hours later. And so that was interesting. Just another little (laughs) kind of wild thing, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, so those are kind of like, in a nutshell, my birth stories, all kind of wild things, but um, all really unique and really precious for us, so. Mm
1: -hmm. And I never would have expected in the beginning to be where I am now talking about, you know, birth on a birth podcast. But, um, when I was before, uh, our podcast and I was just kind of reflecting on like the seeds of my heart and all this. And <clears throat> I just remember on that very first birth, uh, just eating it up, just all the, the, the information, and the science and the research, I just thought it was kind of cool. And, you know, as a guy, like, I can't relate on any level physically at all. So it's like this, it's like this al- alternate universe, <laughs> you know, and it was like this birth class was this window into this whole nother world. I, you know, didn't know existed, but what was interesting was like, I never, I never was originally just like, I'm going to be the greatest birth partner ever. And I, I was just, I just love her. And I just remember being kind of in the trenches with her with different decisions. And I was learning with her. And so to me, that's, that's part of what's key in, in being a good partner and a, and a loved one is like just being in the trenches with them as they're processing information, asking good questions and just being a good listener.
2: Yeah. But
1: I remember we would just stay up and talk and talk about all these different options. Cause it was like we were in the hospital route, and and this birth center was brand new, so we didn't know anybody that had gone to this birth center. It was like
2: it just opened. We were like, yeah. one of the first people to yeah. use it.
1: And we had lots of friends though that had done home births. Yeah, so we were well acquainted with, um, you know, unmedicated birth. But um, for this, but it just, we weren't quite there. We didn't want to do a home birth. You know, we wanted a different environment. Part of just like not even just wanting cl- to clean up our house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so with that birth center, it was like the perfect balance, you know. Um, and I still remember after a session of that birth that birth class, I remember you turning to me and being like, ah, "I just feel like I want to transfer to the hospital, Ben. I mean, from the hospital to the birth center." And I was just something was in me was like, "All right, let's go, let's do it." Yeah. And from then on, I had to take up more responsibility then even though they had great midwives and stuff, I just knew in the environment.
2: Yeah. We're, I was going to need you to give me more support.
1: Yeah. And that caused me to research more and, and learn more. And so it was kind of an adventure and I, I, it was really exciting to me. It, yeah. That first, that first birth was pretty, it was pretty intense. How long the labor was and having to transfer to the hospital, Yeah, you know, and it all happened that transfer and all that happened so fast, but even at the end of that even like it was semi traumatic it was still like an amazing adventure and i fell in love with just the whole birth experience then and it's like you know human beings are so precious and every single life is this amazing journey and it starts with a pretty amazing journey in birth yeah. and so we we both had this perspective of like it doesn't matter how the baby comes out it's exciting And, um, so that was really the seed of, of all of that for us. And, but Jessica really nailed it. I'm just, we had all these crazy experiences that were so different, but that really shaped us into, as we tell couples, like a balanced perspective. Um, you can't get pigeonholed into one approach because you cannot predict the future and you can't, (laughs) you can't control it.
0: No. Okay, so I love that so much because I think that's where a lot of you know birthing people sometimes go wrong is they really get really hung up on one plan. Jess, I want to circle back to something um, that you talked about. Oh, it just left my brain. Um, shoot, you were talking about all three of your births and oh. I want to circle back to what did you find out, or, or how did you kind of cope with? We did everything right. Yeah, we took all the classes, we read all the books, we had all the discussions. What the heck? Why can't things go right? How do you cope with that? What did you learn through those experiences?
2: Yeah, I think I'll be honest. Like I had a traumatic birth, but didn't realize it for a long time. So like my postpartum was a lot of me just kind of being like, what just (laughs) happened? Um, And, you know, honestly, my first baby was, was pretty easy looking back, you know, everything was new, but in terms of like, you know, eating and breastfeeding, everything went pretty well. Everything was pretty standard, but I was just kind of reeling, I guess it would be the best way to describe it. Like internally, I just felt a little bit uh, out of sorts for a long time. And I think a lot of it was, um, so I did, I did end up kind of journaling out like what happened. And, and that was really helpful for me um, just to kind of type out all the details to really, cause I think that there, there was always this nagging question in my mind of like, could I have done something different? Could I have done more? Could I have maybe done this position to have helped her? She was asynclitic. So her head was you know, little, little tilted. And I mean, I remember (laughs) I actually did all the things during the birth, but you know, but you still have those, what ifs, like, what if I had done this? What if I had Mm -hmm. done that? What if, you know, and I did have that absolutely had that. Um, but I think when it all was kind of said and done, and, and also I think it was really difficult for me to say, well, you know, or to hear, oh, well, you know, she was healthy. So, you know, that's all that matters. Well, okay. But like, I had a lot of hopes and dreams for that birth. I had planned it out, you know, I'm a very type A, like I'm a type three Enneagram. So I'm very like goal oriented and (laughs) very, uh, yeah. Actionable types of, I don't know. I, that's just how I roll. And maybe you could say perfectionist. And so for everything to kind, it actually was honestly the best thing for me that it happened that way because it really and motherhood in general I feel like has taken me to the end of myself where I've had to really come to grips with the fact that I cannot control really much of anything. <laughs> um you can you can research you can plan it's I am I mean gosh I'm an educator by all means I read all the things like do everything you can but at the end of the day the best thing in the world about being a mom is is like creating this precious life and then realizing that like you can like do all these things to help influence it but like it's a life of its own (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you really can't control you know you can't control a toddler um you can most certainly you know put helpful boundaries around a toddler and you can you know give them a loving home but um yeah i don't know so i feel like that a lot of my process has been literally learning how to let go and learning how to um, yeah, be okay with everything not always being okay. And so you know going into my second birth, I did have higher hopes, but I do feel like that by that time because um, they are they're uh, 21 months apart. so they're a little closer in age and, and I had I had pretty good hopes, you know, in terms of like okay, you know I think I'd like to do an unmedicated, Birth again, you know, the doctor had recommended, I actually ended up tearing pretty bad with my with my first. And the doctor actually recommended for me to get a C section, and I was like, no, I'm not gonna do that. Like, don't be silly. Um, <laughs> um ironically ended up getting a C section, <laughs> you know, which was funny um, in of That's itself. Letting go
0: apart. <laughs>
2: oh God, yeah, I mean, so funny. Um, but I feel like that the way that I processed with the first for that for about that year or so really letting go of stuff i had a lot of like i I probably this was before also a lot of people talked about postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression i wouldn't say that i necessarily had postpartum depression i do think i had some postpartum anxiety i had a lot of like kind of obsessiveness with stuff that honestly a lot of it too was was this this guy right over here he was a huge support for me there was a point when I was just like obsessively Googling about how she was sleeping (laughs) and just couldn't. I was just like, what should I do? You know, and just all the little tiny micro decisions you make with having a baby. And, you know, I, I was having decision fatigue. It was like I just I don't know what to do. I don't know which way is the right way. Everything I look up online says the exact opposite of what I just read yesterday, which is incredibly confusing. Um, I even had you know I asked, pulled all of my friends who had already had babies, like what did you do? And like all of them said all different things. <laughs> so I was like, welcome I, to motherhood. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to do, and you know, Ben was such a help in terms of me just being him, just being a listening ear and me really talking out everything. And even sometimes sending him Google links and saying like, Hey, read this and like, tell me what you think. And, and I don't know, I just feel like through that process, um, also just learned that. Yeah, you have to have, I don't know. I, I really needed a village. Like I needed support and that's a huge component. And so I feel like those two things, like letting go and then also like getting help and asking for help and, having support, I feel, I feel like those two things were the things that really helped me kind of process through the fact that my birth, I guess in, in men, all sense of the word, didn't go at all to plan. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people I think would say like it was, it was a bad birth or whatever, but, and, but now I look back on it and, and I really, I see the beauty of it because I see what it produced inside of me. Um, it did change me as a, as a woman. And, and I think that, that I wouldn't, I honestly wouldn't give that up um, all that I've gained. So anyway, yeah,
0: I think that's, that's hard for, um, that's hard for a lot of people right after traumatic births to maybe think that it could be a positive thing in, in some regards, right. Right. That you, it might be your birth story on purpose. Um, that's hard to to kind of come to terms with that. But you talking about being a perfectionist and an Enneagram theory, you're talking to my heart. Um, it's one of the things that when I think about my own birth, right? So I don't have children. And so I've never been through this. I I think about my own birth all the time. And it's one of the things that I'm like, what am I going to do if I just have a disaster of a birth? And yeah. I, I like am who I am. Like I am he he like people just expect you to have a good birth. And I expect myself to have a good birth. Right. And yeah. that's almost a silly expectation because you guys are right. You cannot plan anything at all. Um, okay. Ben going through that birth as a first time dad, what were some thoughts going through your head? Um, like, you know, not knowing what to expect, not really knowing it, Probably what was going to change with Jess's body, I had really no idea throughout the pregnancy. What are some things that you were thinking of? You know, for our listeners who are like, "Yeah, what's my husband thinking? What's going through?" Yeah, guys, his head. Yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: Um, well, like I said earlier, I was never like, "I'm just going to be like Mr. Perfect, the greatest birth partner ever." I just, I just loved her and wanted, I wanted her to have that unmedicated experience. So I knew like I had to be knowledgeable. And like I said earlier, it was, it became a passion, but like, um, Oh boy, what was going through my head? (laughs) It was, it was so, it was so intense being just the the first time. And like, it was in the middle of the night and it was just like me and the midwife, she had an assistant show up later. Um, and you know, it was a cool partnership with the midwife because, you know, I, ha- I had some knowledge of what was going on, but I asked questions and was always asking her how I, you know, what she wanted me to do. And she gave me lots of tips. She involved me and I told her like early on in the prenatal appointments, I was like, I want to be involved. So like, you know, I'm not just going to sit back and, and, and their midwives are usually pretty appreciative of that, you know, cause you can lighten the load for them and they know how important support is. For success. Um, <clears throat> but let's see what was going through my head at different stages. You know, one of the things, one of the things that when people try for unmedicated, uh, something that kind of always happens is at some point, the mother is going to have a breaking point and think I can't do this, you know, and I want the epidural, maybe, maybe, maybe something's wrong and I've got to transfer now I remember that some of that coming up, even when we were laboring at home.
2: Yeah. And I had really bad back labor. And I was like, this is, this does not sound like what they described. right." Wrong yeah. Going on. yeah. Well,
1: and that's a scary place <clears throat> as a husband. Cause it was like, you're like, maybe. well, maybe, yeah. maybe something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And maybe she can't do this, mm-hmm. you know? And so you, there's almost this fear of like, I don't want to encourage her to keep going and put her through this pain. But at the same time, I know deep down, she told me, if I get to this point, keep pushing me, you know? So what I did was I always tried to think of like a next, like a next goal we could work toward. like, Hey, let's just keep going 20 more minutes or like one more centimeter or, um, and that, that I would say a handful of times, Jessica had that point where it was just like, I just don't know if this can happen.
2: It was a long labor. Yeah. <laughs> it came in waves. But what's
1: what's beautiful okay. about, <clears throat> about labor is you get you get to a certain tipping point and the professionals around you will kind of know it when it, sometimes it gets to a point where they know, okay, if you know, we're almost over the we're almost over the hill and um and things are gonna start to ramp up or it might be even too late to to call for different interventions. So our midwife did a good job of of kind of partnering with me and and feeling her out and reading her. And, and, um, but that was, I remember that being kind of a scary point. And that it was also, Jessica was pushing for hours. That Mm. was, that was pretty scary because she was exhausted. So it was, there were moments of like, am I torturing this woman I love? And it, it obviously wasn't just me. It was the midwives encouraging me too. And they, they weren't like, anti-transfer into the hospital and they they just you know we were we knew just because wishes and we're kept pushing her but um and then it did get to a point where when we knew it was just time to transfer yeah and I mean we everyone
2: kind of knew like all right (laughs) it's
0: time and
1: it and it happened by me kind of asking the midwife of like
0: what what else can
1: we do you know Mm -hmm. and uh well it gets
0: to a point where it's so hard to watch your partner be in that much pain right like you're watching the person that you love the most be in like excruciating pain yeah super hard and if there's no progress that's excruciating for your heart right you're like we got to cut this out
1: yeah
0: I I get it yeah
1: and she was like fully dilated she was like pushing everything was just ready to go it was just not i could see the
0: head i
2: mean it, and it was just yeah, was yeah. not we just couldn't get her
1: but there was this you point know. there was yeah. you no know, jessica i like what jessica said earlier about letting go i remember i remember at the birth center like there was a point where i remember knowing that we needed to both let go mm-hmm. and jessica was at that stage where she was just like i'll do I, anything I don't really like, know. please it's just, just all-
2: <laughs> get me out of this misery
1: <laughs> and uh so so i told the midwife i was like let's just let's go have a baby let's go to the hospital yeah and that immediately resonated with jessica you know when i asked her and it was like ugh, immediate relief you know and we just let go and we got to the hospital and um i mean they gave her Pitocin and we had a baby in like 10 minutes and so uh uh and at that point like i mean all of all the drama before is just kind of out the window because in an instant, your life's totally changed. There's this human being in your family now permanently. And it's just pretty indescribable. Um, and you just kind of forget about all that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you forget, forget about all the drama, all the um, pain. Of course, I didn't have the pain. Jessica had the pain, but she talks about it the same of like, it's just amazing. Um, and so those were kind of the, some of the stuff going on through my head. And I look back on it now, now that I'm even more knowledgeable and I look at, I look back at some things that I'm like, what, would what would we have done anything differently. And um, you know, yeah, I don't, don't know. know. I, I don't think, know. I think we gave it, we, we wrote it out our best and we enjoyed the ride and um, it made a great story in the end. Yep. Um, there's a lot of nuggets about that story that were really interesting though. So um, like whenever she had the baby, it was during a shift change. At the hospital, and they handed me the baby, and then Jessica had this bad tear. They wanted to bring her to the OR and uh stitch her up some more, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, you went to the OR, so they hand me the baby. They didn't put a they didn't put an anklet on her, you know, to yeah. identify her, and they wheeled her out. So like half the team went to the OR with the with the OB, and then half of them just like done. <laughs> the ship was over, and they went home. <laughs> And so uh, I was standing in the hospital room all alone with this baby in a blanket and that's it <laughs> there's blood on the floor <laughs> and like I sat here and I was like this is the most beautiful moment ever and then I'm I'm just rocking her and I did skin to skin it was like this amazing beautiful moment but after a few minutes I was like wait what happens now <laughs> and I just literally didn't know what to do so I opened up the door the to the room and kind of look down the hallway and there's literally no one it's
2: a ghost town
1: <laughs> yeah there's no one in the hallway and i was like i what happens because you know we didn't do the whole hospital walk through we, we did
2: never toured a hospital I, they were I, like what what do you do
1: and then <laughs> what I, happens? so i just started walking down the hall with my baby who has no identification <laughs> like i could have i could have been just a creeper and walked out of the hospital with some random baby and nobody would have stopped me i'm just like walking around the hospital <laughs>
2: Yeah, probably
1: my shirt like halfway (laughs) undone or something and then my mother-in-law she turns the corner she's in the waiting room and then she's like where's Jessica I was like uh and I'm I'm kind of like ADD sometimes I was like "Uh, um I think I think they took her back to do something so you know you know how a mother-in-law she how her mother would have responded that she's like what like yeah I think it's because they're they're doing something you know stitching her up but we got a baby you know and she's like where's the nurses and she she got mama bear and it was really helpful because yeah she started like okay okay we're
2: snapping (laughs) around like everybody come over here we
1: have a baby here with no identification and uh needs to take care so it was kind of a hoot and it's it's kind of fun looking back on that you know when you're when you're ignorant and don't know how things work it's just all like total bliss you know um it's pretty special
0: I love that. Okay. So we talked about how you prepare kind of educationally and then together having those hard conversations, you know, talking about really everything and specifically Jess's goals and understanding how you could best support those. What about you? What about your mental state? What should dads be knowing maybe emotionally or um, mentally headed into Birth and having a new baby. So, for me, something that comes to mind is like, you should understand you're going to see your partner in an extreme amount of pain that you've never seen them before. You've got to prepare for that, right? What is something else or, or a couple of things that, you know, partners should be prepared for?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, they need partners need to know the same things that um, mothers need to know, which is birth is normal. The pain is normal. It's part of the beautiful journey of it. And, um, and that you know birth is safe and complications you know the serious complications are more rare they do exist and it's great to be knowledgeable of those but you've got to know that her body was made to do this it really was and you know birth birth for eons has always been this more a lot of times a communal experience there's there's people next to and there's support um, and, you know, we we sure a mother could go out in the middle of the field and bear the baby all by herself because she can't she can. And her body was made for that. I don't know why you would want to. <laughs> but to <meet> <laughs> so so for me, like helping birth partners is is to me, it's all about like the original intent of a birth. It's supposed to be this even the social experience of this communal thing. And um if you're you know her intimate one her, her her loved one it's like you you've got to know her better than anyone so the midwife they they know birth but you know your wife you know your loved one you're her you're the expert on her as a person those things are really important to know when you're going into this experience that can that can be really intense and totally new for her and just like I gave the example about our first one, it was like I, I kind of knew more the nuances of when to keep encouraging just to move forward or when we needed to, you know, change things. Um, also with that, like guys sometimes can it, it, it's very common to be stand, to want to be standoffish during the pregnancy because you don't really feel anything. You don't feel anything physically. Now I've heard the, about phantom pregnancies and, and guys that you know <laughs> that put on the extra you know uh, weight as well, you know, and have the cravings. But generally speaking, you're not going through all, all the physical and emotional changes she's going through. So <laughs> I encourage guys like you don't need to like, like, you know, fake it. You don't need to like go make yourself feel more emotional than you may naturally do. But it's just important to be involved. It's like practical things like being involved in the prenatal checkups and just the conversations that happen with the provider, keeping you just like mentally there, allow you to be engaged in the process. Because whether it's during pregnancy or whenever the baby comes out or three months into being a a father, at some point, it's going to hit you (laughs) that your world has changed completely, turned upside down, and you're never going back. You're never going to be the same. So I think the the quicker you can get involved in things, and um, the better. It, here's another thing that is really close to our hearts: is helping identify fears. So all anxiety, all all stress, you know, at at the core of it, there's some there's some fear, and it has a language, and it has there's thoughts to it, and sometimes it's hard to track those. And when you have when your loved one's pregnant and you start talking about the anxiety and the fears, um, you, a lot of times you learn how normal those fears are. So if you're pregnant and you're having this baby, the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you, and, and the concerns and the fears and those anxieties are so real, but just being able to articulate it and just having somebody that's a good listener, it helps you see like, Oh, this is normal stuff. And, um, and then when you go and you seek out the evidence and the knowledge, you can see that a lot of those, a lot of those fears can, can quickly kind of dissipate with knowledge. And then when you have it, let's say that there's always what ifs, there's always what ifs, even discussing the what ifs and how you can respond allows you then to just be more mentally and emotionally prepared for what's, you know, for different curveballs you're going to be thrown. Cause you're going to be go- thrown Yeah. Curveballs. Um, you know, I've talked to some people that have had the perfect birth and you're like, I don't even know how that works, but it happens. But just that's really big is talking through the fears and not just letting things be like, oh, she's just stressed out because she's pregnant or, oh, she's just hormonal. Like, that's really not fair. She's going through a major change, um, but it. a lot of the fears are normal. And once you talk about it, those, things, that, those fears lose a lot of power after a conversation. Um, so I think that answered the question. I, I kind of took it multiple directions, but.
0: Yeah, um, absolutely. No, I love how you say, you know, they're only scary until you really look into the hard facts, like things get bad reps, but then when you look in them, like for something that comes to, to my mind is, um, you know, nuchal cords, right. They seem so scary, but one in three babies have them. Like if yeah. your doctor delivers at least three babies a shift, they should be seeing one a shift, right? Like they're very common. They seem super scary. So once we talk about things like that and you learn those hard facts, they know right. longer really have that grip on you. I love that. Um, okay. Also the community aspect, you're totally right, but we see this same trend of lack of support in postpartum, right? So postpartum is already really crummy for people. However, there are a lot of mom groups that moms can can join, right? There is a lot of community support for new moms. Yeah. Dads, basically nothing.
2: Mm-hmm. This is
0: the problem. Yeah. Talk to us about what were some of the most unexpected parts of postpartum for you or like what should new dads know about postpartum? Because you're right, something you just taught me here that I didn't realize was you may not realize until three months after your baby is born that your life has radically changed. Like it may not be during the pregnancy; it really might be for yeah. your baby. You know, it might really take your baby being here on the outside four months for you to realize, "Wow, mm-hmm. here, yeah, not use this anymore, Toto, right? Yeah, like, it. okay, things have changed here. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that." So, postpartum, what? What kind of curveballs do we know about that? Need to know about that.
1: Yeah, so that that's a big one because honestly, birth's just the beginning. It and it's like if you're with a listener out there and you're and you're struggling with over googling everything. It's like just wait till you have a baby. <laughs> it, it's so tempting to just Google every hiccup, every you know everything Weird that's going thing, on, every yeah. bodily flu that comes out of uh, that baby. Um, that really hit me hard. It was like, Holy crap. There is so much, there's so much to know. And, and there's so many opinions and there's, it's like, Oh my gosh. And if we screw this up, like we could go to jail. (laughs) (laughs) I laugh about, I laugh about all this because it's like, okay, those like 13, 14 year old girls go through babysitter trainings to like be like a certified babysitter. But you know, parents, they're just like handed a kid and you know, no, um, no,
0: no nurses stuff. around. Yeah, you yeah. walk out and there's nobody. <laughs> exactly. I
1: had I had zero experience with, with babies. Babies, yeah. And definitely, didn't have any experience around you know postpartum mothers. Um, so, yeah, that was that was intense. <clears throat> and what? So in the very first, in the beginning of that postpartum, I was kind of like just kind of shocked, and you know, just kind of deer caught in the headlights. And there were a lot of emotions going through Jessica, a lot of conversations that I I just didn't even know how to navigate. And whenever I tried to help relieve some of her fears, it felt like I was downplaying the seriousness of it. Now, again, once you've had a few kids, you look back and you're like, oh my gosh.
2: Yeah. (laughs) But that first time you just don't know, you know, it's so scary.
1: So what I had to do is I had to get educated. So I had to read the same stuff she was reading. like she had this sleep book, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna read that book. You know, I, I read it a lot faster and tried to skim through the highlights, but I tried to catch up with where she was at so I could understand these different dilemmas she was having on on these different sleep strategies. and now breastfeeding like, you know, I had no experience with that, obviously. but um, for me, what I would do is just encourage her if if she hit a wall to like text a friend, call somebody, and we luckily have some friends that are health professionals and to re- I encourage her to reach out to support. It's like, we don't need to be spinning our tires. Like we don't know what we're doing. Let's just, let's call people up. Um, and so that's something that I kind of had to learn for myself, but I, w- I wish somebody would have told me, you know, Hey Ben, <clears throat> make sure that you are being knowledgeable as well. And this is what postpartum looks like. It's a lot of decision-making, it's a lot of Um, you know, discovering your values and philosophies as parents, um, and that it's important to talk about those things beforehand. I wish somebody would have told me that you'll get your wife back someday, (laughs) but be patient and understand that for a few months, it, 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 She's going through a lot of changes and you just got to be patient. She
2: does. She also probably doesn't feel like herself either. Right. So it's hard to even recognize
1: her. (laughs) And you know, the other thing I, I tell other, other guys is you still may not have this big emotional attachment. I know I actually didn't like, you know, the, the birth was this amazingly emotional experience for me, but you know, I'm not just, I'm just not really like a baby person, honestly um and you know now our kids are getting older it's like in my element as far as you know just the fatherhood stuff that I enjoy but I never let that be an excuse to not be helpful and not support because I knew how much support she needed and I took I took the longest paternity leave that I could um but you know that's a big institutional problem in the U.S. honestly I wish um I wish that was different, but we, we found ways and I, and I'd encourage Jess to do this too of like, okay, let's, let's schedule somebody just to come over and sit with you during, you know, this week, you know, that I can't be there. It mainly, I think I was off for maybe like a week or two. Yeah. The first one, maybe two weeks, I can't. Right. Remember, which is actually. more
2: than even a lot of dads. I remember. Yeah.
1: I think I know. had like 10, 10 work days. Maybe. Long. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I had a pretty good lead, but then we had like her mother-in-law come and stay after that we we made sure that there was support um because it can be overwhelming in the beginning but it never it honestly a lot of that just never stops there's always changes so to me like being like parenthood is about dealing with the changes not not figuring things out problem
2: solving exactly yeah
1: it's a lot of trial and error Mm -hmm.
2: you know
1: even as you're learning to breastfeed it's like you're trying out different things until you finally discover what it feels like, what
2: it works. And then, and then like three days later, it doesn't work. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You
0: Cause
1: the baby's going through changes too, really quickly that you can't necessarily detect. So there's just like crazy amounts of, of changes. And we had a, we had a, a, a puppy last spring. We had a COVID puppy like everybody else somewhat regarding that decision but anyway yep. I remember watching him grow and develop and it was like it was interesting it was like reminding me of our babies and just how fast it happens of course, it's like way faster with a you know dog but it's very similar and just um you know how you're constantly changing things and and, ba- and you know puppy proofing your home and think you got to think ahead of them you know but it, you just got to be patient with yourself and enjoy the ride, because especially as your first time, I mean, it's it's a roller coaster that you've never been on. So just try to enjoy it as much as you can.
2: And well, and one thing I feel like that Ben did a really good job, you know, all the postpartum hormonal changes that <laughs> you go through as as a postpartum woman. He was always really good, and and by the third time that we had a baby, he knew that between days five and seven postpartum, I was going to have a massive meltdown, and it, it was just like clockwork every single. And I know the days are different somewhat for for different women, but for me, that that those were my days where I needed to go and have a long cry in the shower. And by the third time, by by our third child, Ben just at one point looked at me and he was just like. You need to go cry in the shower. I was like, <laughs> "Yes, go." So. Yes, I do. <laughs> and, and but it was like it was so helpful, feeling seen by him. It was like he never, I never really felt like that. I was able, you know, it's, it can be really lonely sometimes being a mom, and especially in a pandemic. Oh my gosh, I honestly can't imagine. Um, but it is, it's isolating regardless, and you know, I think to feel seen by him was really important for me. I felt like that someone was looking after me, you know, and was aware of my struggles and he never, you know, he, he kind of learned, I think over the years, like don't pick fights with her <laughs> during this time, you know, be really patient, be really understanding. And i say say that he's perfect. He's not perfect. Of course we had, we, he had his moments as well, but like, overall i feel like he learned me and he learned how to be a really good support for me and 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 just him i think he just knew she's not herself <laughs> like and this is not her fault she's not doing something wrong like this is literally like her hormones talking <laughs> and i'm just going to kind of ride this with her and i don't know that was just really helpful mm-hmm.
1: so one thing i want to add to is is it's good to reach out to other dads you respect don't just ask anybody, you know, Hey, do you have some advice for postpartum? Cause men sometimes aren't good about like just freely delivering, you know, different advice they have. men kind of have to be kind of probed and asked. And you have to kind of go seek that on your own. Sometimes, unfortunately, I don't think men support each other like they should. Yeah. Um, there aren't a lot of support groups out there for dads and whatnot. So you've got to be, you've got to be aggressive and go and seek in that. And so I had, I had about three to four guys that I really respected. And there were many times I would text with them or ask them questions. And it was just nice to know sometimes, you know, I would talk about what Jess is going through and they'd be like, Oh yeah, that's totally normal, dude. You know? (laughs) And you know, here's some things you you could say, you know, don't do this. You know, sometimes I would rehearse some of the stupid stuff I said. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's dumb. Don't say that. (laughs) <laughs> you know, here's, here's some different tips. um But they were also friends of mine that were there for me and would listen to me. And so, you know, you don't want to, if you, if you, if you're listening to this, you feel like you're isolated, like change that, go find the resource you need, go build some key relationships. Sometimes it can just be one or two good friends that have been there, you know, before you
0: what if you don't have anybody in your life that has had kids before you, then where would a dad m- maybe look?
1: That's a great question. And you know, a dream of ours someday is to try to help build that space. Yep. Um,
2: it's a, it's a long dream, long-term yeah, dream. Yeah, yeah. We long-term want to have a postpartum good. support yeah. area space for dads.
1: You know, <clears throat> you can ask family members and, you can. I'm sure there are places are online already. You can connect. Um, I hope. I hope there's some. They're probably rare and hard to find, but um, you can also connect with our Instagram. If you if you're out there and you literally have no one, please connect with us, and I can be messaging with you immediately. And that's that's my passion. And so, um, if all else fails, if no one's in your life, we would love to. We'll be your friend. <laughs> I, would love, I would love to be your friend because that's my passion.
0: That's awesome. You know, I I do hate it. I hate it that there's no resources for dads. Um, it's hard to get men involved. You know, a lot of times we set things up and then men really don't feel that connection or, you know, they, they don't want to show up for it. So it's just, it's something about the American society has like beat into our male partners that, you know, community is just not important when that is entirely false. Yeah. It's incredibly important. Um, and it, it makes a huge difference. So um, cool. You guys, I'm excited for you to start that um, postpartum Space. I'm I'm here for it. I am here for it. Um okay as we wrap up, you guys, Ben, what is your like number one suggestion for a first-time dad?
1: My number one suggestion is you you establish the environment. Sure. So if you if you have anxiety, if you have joy, if you have you know, stress and fear, or you have, you know, a more open mind and, and kind of go for it attitude, those things are going to affect your loved one. Just understand that even though you're not giving birth, you have an, um, you have a tremendous role to play. Yeah. You help set that tone, that environment. And that happens even when you take the baby home. And so it's like, yeah, you don't want to be fake and just constantly like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But, you know, you know, your wife, you know, your loved one, you know, um, what she needs to hear and you help establish that. And so that's my number one, that's my number one advice. And obviously I would advocate that you, you establish a joyful, relaxed, calm, flexible environment and don't don't get too rigid and, and things because it's a learning experience and you're both, you're both learners. You're both learning. So you've got to be patient with each other and you've got to be patient with yourself.
0: That's awesome. Okay. Jess, what is your number one advice for first time dads?
2: Ooh, I think, um, because Ben is just naturally, the guy that's going to jump in there. Um and I don't think all dads are like that. So I think my number one advice would be like, hey, jump in there. You can absolutely be a part of the birth. I think I think that birth is such a women's space and and rightfully so. <laughs> but I do think that 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 the dad can play such a huge role if he wants to. And we talk a lot about this in our birth course like really assessing the birth partner's role inside of the birth and not all dads want to be, you know, as involved, maybe they don't. Um, But I do think that it's important for for them to be involved in some way, (laughs) whether that's being just the emotional support. Maybe you want to be the muscle and you want to be the physical support for her. You want to do all the counter pressure. You know, you want to be like like her physical support. Maybe you just want to be like the decisional support, maybe you want to just help kind of navigate decisions and all of that. And maybe you want to hire a doula then to be able to be more of the emotional support or the physical support, like, like just be involved, find a way. Um, I think that that is just so important because she needs you, you know, and, in and, and, and you are, you're the dad. And I think that being an involved dad starts at the birth. It doesn't start when the baby turn when the kid turns five right, yeah. <laughs> you know that's not the time to start parenting all exactly. of a sudden when 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 you know your kid's five and or three or however old it's like you can start establishing that from the get-go and i think that um it also just creates this bond between the mom and the dad that is just kind of unexplainable and wonderful mm-hmm. and yeah. so powerful for your relationship um the mom will feel so much you know, so many good good vibes and good feelings towards you. I mean, there's really just not very many negatives. And, you know, I hear I hear a lot of moms that, you know, are like, oh, you know, well, you know, my husband or, you know, whoever, like he just kind of sat and, you know, played games on his phone while <laughs> I was in labor. And I, I know that that's common. Um, and And so I do think that it's important to, to have those conversations and to communicate. And yeah, but I think dads jump in there, find something to do.
0: I love that I think part of that is knowing what to do right which goes back to our whole entire point tonight which is do the work right do the work do the research learn alongside her oh my gosh you guys this conversation has been amazing thank you so much for being here okay you have mentioned your courses and you have some support stuff going on if people wanted to work with you or find more about you you mentioned your Instagram too where can people connect with you guys Yeah.
2: So we are on Instagram. Our handle is at balance.birth.couple. We're the balanced birth couple. Um, So we're really active on Instagram. We also have a TikTok, the same handle. Um, And we have a website and our website is uh, www.balancedfamilies. That's actually our company name is balanced families. We eventually want to kind of grow our company to have even more resources beyond just birth, Um, parenting, marriage, and all that. It's kind of our long-term goal, but we're starting with birth. Um, But we have our uh, birth courses on our website. And so we have, um, from as far as we can tell, the only birth course that actually is taught by both a mom and a dad. Um, And so that's something that's really unique with our birth course. Um, And our birth course is comprehensive as well. So um there's a lot of different a lot of different aspects about our birth course that i think are unique but i think the main thing is that ben teaches alongside me the whole time so he gives just a ton of birth partner perspective lots of pro tips lots of tips on all kinds of things um so it's definitely we call it kind of like dad friendly he makes a lot of dad jokes as well and you know kind of keeps things keeps things fun i'm the more serious business uh <laughs> and he's the he's the fun dad but um anyway so we have that birth course as well and um yeah and, and with that of course we have a a facebook uh group that you know a lot, everybody kind of connects and asks questions and we do we host like virtual zoom meet and greets and question times and stuff so it's not completely like this course that you just get on and take and then you never connect with people we try to we try to build in connection as much as possible um and yeah did I miss anything
1: well, and I you mentioned what you like about the birth class. One of my favorite things is we have some birth footage from different environments yeah. that is really cool for parents to see. So um, you can see someone doing a birth in a hospital. You can see uh, an unmedicated birth at a birth center. We have footage of a girl in an epidural, not actually like administering the epidural, yeah. but she talks <laughs> all about the experience and you just you become well acquainted with that experience. And then we have uh, a video of actually our C-section with our second child. It's kind of thought
2: ahead enough to video it. Thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. So we have that. That's
1: what I like about it.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so that's, that's pretty much it. But yeah, we love connecting with um, moms and dads. We have a lot of, especially on Instagram, we have a pretty, a pretty uh, active community of moms and dads who message with us and we do lots of Q and A's and lots of fun things on Instagram. So yeah, that's pretty much who Mm -hmm. we are.
0: That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. I love the fact that you guys teach together. That's why I'm drawn to you. So I'm not surprised that you guys, you know, that's kind of your special secret. Yep.
2: Mm -hmm. For sure.
0: All right, you guys. This was so much fun. Listeners, I hope that we kind of opened the door to something that maybe you've never thought of before. I hope that we gave you some good resources of places that you can start to get your partner involved. They play a really big important role. Um, You know, if you leave with nothing else, please leave with understanding that your partner's support It is really kind of make it, break it, make it or break it in birth, right? Like you really want them to understand your birth goals and how to best support you. And I hope that this episode got your wheels turning about all of that. Hey there, I just wanted to give you one last reminder that the doors are open to dad days. This is an online course for husbands to learn how to be the best support for you in pregnancy. Prepare to be the best labor support, including pain relief techniques, and understand what to expect in postpartum. Don't miss out on the launch sale price increases on June 21st, you can go to Thebirthlounge.com backslash dad days. That's D A D D A Z as in zebra E. Dad days. Thebirthlounge.com backslash dad days. There. Just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your health care provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by HeHe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.